स्थापकायर्मस्वधर्मस्वे अवतारवरिष्ठा ते नम तव कथा तप्तजीवनम कविभिरीत कलमशापहम श्रवणमंगल श्रीमदात भुवि गृणती So in the last class we were reading that portion of the gospel of Sri Ramakrishna where Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that the entire human kind can be divided into four classes of peoples so what are those four classes the baddha the mumukshu the mukta and the nitya mukta so what are these that baddha those who are totally engrossed in the sensate existence in the sensate pleasures of life they take the sensate existence to be the be all and end all of existence that what i see through my senses that's what existence is beyond that there is no existence and this life is the only life of which i am sure of so to head, go headlong to have as much as possible the pleasures of life and of course that pleasures are limited to the sensed pleasures only now these are the one who are baddha because they are myopic they cannot have a broader vision to have a the entire picture of the existence the sensed pleasures of life even if we take it to be the ultimate goal it has its own limitations it can never give us unending happiness any sensed pleasure we take what's its nature that of course we have a craving for it even the thing which we like most suppose the food the delicacy which i like most what's the limitation that after my this throughout the day i was anticipating to have the delicacy and at last i am most probably in the particular restaurant where i would prefer to have the delicacy i may have the first serve i may go for the second and then it's over i feel satiated though that's the thing which i like most i cannot continue forever and that's the nature of any sense of pleasures it is limited it has a satiation you cannot just continue with it forever and it makes us very very uh what you say short sighted it's make us very selfish and the craving is there means though i am satiated for the time being but it starts disturbing me again whenever i get it i cannot continue with it it's over just in a short time but again the craving develops it's just like that hedonistic treadmill the treadmill in a treadmill we are constantly running but we no go nowhere so it is a hellish treadmill we are in constant search for the pleasures of life but in no way we are satiated when the first uh arya satya the noble truth which has been declared by buddha as dukkha many translate dukkha suffering and that's where we do the mistake 
Dukkha is not suffering. Dukkha actually means dissatisfaction. There's a difference between suffering and dissatisfaction. When you are enjoying a delicacy, you are no way suffering. If anyone asks, are you suffering? No way. But if I ask, are you satisfied? Immediately you find there's a big question mark because you have already developed the craving for the second serving. So you're never satiated. Time for the time being you're satiated, again the craving comes back. So Dukkha means dissatisfaction. It's not suffering. And that way, just by interpreting it as dissatisfaction, the entire outlook changes. And we find that Buddha is quite correct to say that the first noble truth, that all the sensor pleasures leads to dissatisfaction. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is, is indicating. The Buddha have no vision. They, along with the net, dive deep into the bed of the river, thinking that I am safe there. He doesn't know that any time the fisherman will pull the net and he's caught. So that is the bound soul who has no idea of this broader perspective, have no idea of the uh, existence as a whole, which actually this our sensed world is a projection of the spirit, the spiritual dimension of our existence. Some are there who are always aware of that spiritual dimension. So the, the, if you're, I, you're aware of the spiritual dimension, that doesn't mean you don't see the sunset world. You can see, but you know it's just a mere projection. Just the way Swami Vivekananda was, has indicated that he was passing through the deserts as a parivrajak, as a wandering monk, and he was thirsty. And in search of water, he was traveling. And suddenly he saw a huge reservoir. Seeing the reservoir, he was drawn towards it. He was dragged by it. But suddenly he found that reservoir vanished. As he proceeded, it's no more there. And then the idea came, what I saw is a mere mirage. It's just a projection. It's not there. He has read about it in the textbook as a child, as a student, and he thought he understood. But the real understood, underst the real comprehension happened the day he realized it. And what's the result? The next day, when he is traveling through the desert, he's again seeing the same mirage. It's not that he won't see anymore. But today he knows very well that it is a mere projection. As long as the desert is there as the substratum, the mirage will be there as the projection. But it is a mere projection. It has as such no reality. And as a result, what happened? Now we find Swamiji is saying that that huge reservoir cannot drag me. I know it's a mere projection. So all the attachment falls off. So those who can always relate to the spiritual dimension of their existence. And from that plane can easily see that the sunset world is an epiphenomenon. It's actually a projection of that conscious principle. For them, there is no question of getting bound in the fetters of the world. You never get attached to the projection. And then comes the other two in between. In Bhagavatam, there is a very nice sloka that in this world, there are three types of people. Here, Ramakrishna is speaking of four types. In Bhagavatam, they speak of three types. What are the three types? Of course, the lowest type is the one who is engrossed in the sensitive pleasures of life. Till they get blows, they're quite happy. You will find they're quite happy. They don't have any sense of dissatisfaction for the time being. They take the limitations of the senses, but they say this is the way and they are happy. And the highest category of the three, the lowest is the senses one, the highest is the ever free. They also are happy. Nothing can bind them. They are ever free. In Bhagavatam, they say the middle category, all the problem lies with them. 
the phrase which is there in the sloka bhagavatam is klishta antarito janaha those who are in between all the suffering is theirs all the suffering belongs to that category now this those who are mumukshu they belong to that category till they get liberated who is this mumukshu who has somehow developed the dissatisfaction for the sensate pleasures of existence they somehow have developed the awareness of the spiritual dimension it is a mere concept for them they are yet to realize but the hankering to get established in that state has developed so they are the seekers the mumukshu for the seekers what has happened they have understood that like a bee they came to suck the honey and the moment they sat on the honey their wings got stuck up in the honey they came to enjoy they are being enjoyed and now they try their ways to, uh, try utmost to get rid of all the obsessions so that they can be free and as in the last class we were discussing that of them only a few can be really free most of them try their best but they in true sense doesn't attain freedom why that there are innumerable desires if we think we have to get rid of the desires one by one liberation is impossible it make it is just a little relaxation somehow with all our attempt i get rid of certain compulsion it gives a limited sense of freedom but it can never give you the freedom the liberation in the spiritual sense ultimate liberation because there are innumerable desires some are manifested some are not manifested at present if even if i feel that i have no desires we find that some people are quite innocent for the time being enjoying the life because of their innocence nothing as such lured them but that is not in any way the desired state because so many desires are there lurking in the subconscious mind if the circumstances change suddenly we will find the so called innocent person all the desires are developing from where it comes just we say as innocent as a child all the children are innocent when they reach the puberty in the subconscious mind so many things are there they find they just get manifested so just to get rid of one desire or for the time being enjoying the so called a very calm state of mind doesn't ensure liberation circumstances may change and we find the so called innocent person has got extremely entangled with the world so what's the way out it's not just to get rid of one or two desires or to be desireless for the time being the real liberation is ensured only when we can get rid of the ego the sense of ego the limited i as sri ramakrishna used to say very nicely that when someone asks when shall i be free his answer was when i cease to be that i is the cause of all our bondage it is a diseased state of our existence just when we are when we are enjoying health we are not aware of a particular part of our body health throbs through the entire body it permeates the entire body the life force permeates the entire body see a child so much infused with life and when we get sick what happens what is the symptom of sickness that now we find that our awareness is getting localized i say what are the symptoms of sickness i have an headache the life which was supposed to throb through your entire body now got localized to your head my heart is aching my knees are paining i have a back pain all this speaks of localization of your awareness so all the disease what is the symptom of disease localization of awareness so in spiritual sense we are all diseased because of ignorance the sense of our amness 
which is in spiritual sense non-local has got localized in this body-mind complex. I think this alone is my existence, is me. Till I get rid of that, know it for certain, there cannot be liberation. Why? All the desires, at last, there are innumerable desires, but they are all hooked to this sense of limited I. Just take a microbe. That the conscious principle is finding expression through that micro body. The ego is limited to that micro body. And now what it how you find expression? That when it when it finds any nutrient, it is drawn towards it. When there is some toxin, it is running away from it. What it speaks of? All the desires, fears, everything comes from this limited sense of ego. The moment that comes into picture, all these desires. In the entire process of evolution, one by one, they're developing. And I'm entangled with all of them. To get rid of them one by one is almost impossible. But if I can get rid of this ego, which is the hub of the will, all the desires are like the spikes. Even if one spike breaks, the will is still intact. Take away the hub, the entire will collapses. So to take away the ego is the only sign of liberation. And so those who, through the spiritual practice, have got rid of that limited sense of I, by being established in that idea that I am the absolute conscious principle, the words itself speaks a lot. But as long as I am identified with my body-mind complex, they say that my real, that what is the core of my being is the Atman. Atman means that who is within, who is localized here. And when the liberation happens, then what happens? The Atman becomes one with Brahman. These words are so significant. The word Brahman came from Brihdhatu. Brih in Sanskrit means Brihat, that which has no limitation. The same Atman, when it gets established in its real nature, then what happens? This sense of limitation falls off. The same Atman which was local has become non-local. It's Brihat. The Atman and Brahman are one. It is because of ignorance, the Brahman is appearing as Atman. So this is the idea which is we find in our scriptures. And that's what Sri Ramakrishna is indicating that there are four types of people. A few who uh, have by their aspirate, by their spiritual practice have got rid of the ego. It, it happens only when that realization dawns in through our spiritual practice. When the ego is totally obliterated. Once it is obliterated, there is no chance of again getting bound with the, in the domain of ignorance. You become a Jivan Mukta. Though you may be living but nothing can bind you. And that's the goal of human birth. It's not the enjoyment of the senses. As Swami Vivekananda used to say nicely, as a human being, if we think that we have evolved so much that we are the one who can enjoy the world to the highest degree, it is a greatest mistake we are making. Because however we may try, with all our wealth, with all our provisions for sunset enjoyment. Our senses are limited. Our, the, the dog's power of smell is million times greater, is some thousand times greater than the human beings. The way they can smell, the way they test, the test birds, it's far, far greater than the human beings. With all our wealth, we can never enjoy a meal the way a dog enjoys the meal. The way the other animals, other creatures, the senses are equipped. Our senses are extremely poor in that sense. With all our wealth, with all provisions, we can never enjoy the sensed presence of life the way an animal and enjoys. So if we think that we have evolved to enjoy the world, we are doing a biggest mistake. Evolution has never entitled greater enjoyment. What evolution is entitled, human beings are the only being. Sri Ramakrishna in the gospel is saying very nicely 
মানুষই একমাত্র জীব যে ঈশ্বর চিন্তা করতে পারে দ্যাট হিউম্যান বিংস আর দ্য ওনলি বিং হু ক্যান থিঙ্ক অফ দ্য স্পিরিচুয়াল ডাইমেনশন অফ এক্সিস্টেন্স নো আদার বিং ক্যান ডু দ্যাট বাই ডুইং দ্যাট ইফ উই ক্যান অ্যাটেইন দ্যাট স্টেট অফ লিবারেশন হোয়ার নাথিং ক্যান বাইন্ড মি দো আই এম লিভিং just as the way swamiji is saying that i pass through the desert i see the mirage but it cannot drag me there is a stage of existence when it is possible that though i am living nothing can bind me i have developed that conviction that everything is a mere projection and that's only possible as a human being and that's why shankaracharya in the vivek churamani how nicely he has indicated that the goal of human life is not the sense of pleasures what it is is to attain that state of freedom while living jivan mukti sukha prapti hetave janmadharana the only purpose of human birth is jivan mukti that to attain that freedom while living and that's the beauty of the vedanta philosophy it doesn't say that you lead a good life in future after your death you will be attaining heaven no here and now eha eha just here you get a cash down payment here only your spiritual practice can entitle a state of existence where you can enjoy the freedom from all the limitations while living and that's the state of liberation and once you attain that you are promoted once you attain that liberation you are promoted to the state of nitya shuddha you become ever free as in the life of narada we will find that in one life in, in the life in which he was an orphan he lost his mother his in his uh, young age he uh, never knew who his father is but he is to his mother is to serve the holy person and that's how narada got the association of the holy with his mother he used to go and meet those holy persons he got associated with the holy and developed a good sanskaras which led him to develop that bhakti that devotion and from the devotion he attained he attained that realization in a flash it came and it was and uh, in that in that state it was declared that this realization you are not going to have for, for means uh, as a permanent thing but even if you have once the delusion falls off <coughs> and narada be fine that is just uh, contemplating on the divine that has becomes the main state of his life and after even that end of the kalpa again he takes birth but now he is ever free he is moving from as if they are from locus to locus to the various planes of existence singing the praise of the lord always absorbed in the divine contemplation the one once he becomes free now he becomes ever free so these are the four states which sri ramakrishna is speaking of to indicate that uh, that all that what are the various types of human beings we find in this world so now sri ramakrishna will vividly described the condition of the bound souls the how what's their nature what are the various types of uh symptoms which finds expression through the lives of those who are extremely bound so let us read and find out what all those tenets he is speaking of the bound souls are tied to the world by the fetters of women and gold they are bound hand and foot thinking that women and gold will make them happy and give them security they do not realize that it will lead them to annihilation now he is going to still more specific example when a man thus bound to the world is about to die his wife asks you are about to go but what have you done for me again such is his attachment to the things of the world 
that when he sees the lamp burning brightly, he says, dim the light. Too much oil is being used. He's about to die and he's in his deathbed. So just see the way that Ramakrishna was a very minute observer, the way he's observing. He has not read textbooks day to day, in day to day life. That we are so obsessed with the pleasures of life. We also see all this thing, but it never strikes us. We take it to be quite okay. Ramakrishna from childhood, we are finding that Paravairagya, that supreme renunciation, made him so detached. He could easily, as if, scan the entire existence and find out the disease, what it is we are suffering from. The bound soul never think of God. If they get any leisure, they indulge in idle gossip and foolish talk, or they engage in fruitless work. If you ask one of them the reason, he answers, Oh, I cannot keep still. So I am making a hedge. When time hangs heavy on their hands, they perhaps start playing cards. So, <laughs> so that's, and nowadays, of course, uh, for us, there is no need to make hedge or play card. We, of course, have that that idiot box, the TV and the into the social media. Sri Ramakrishna have never seen. If he would have seen, he would have been horrified. That what all ways, what all avenues have been created for the so-called for us to be bound more and more to the sunset plane of existence. So what are the things he's speaking? That's what are the characteristics of the bound soul that first he's obsessed. That He's a, he is tied to the world by the fetters of woman and gold. Anyone reading for the gospel for the first time will be saying that oh, Ramakrishna is a misogynist. That again and again he's saying woman and gold. The woman and gold is not to be taken literally. In Bengal it is called Kamini Kanchan. The Kamini doesn't mean as such woman. The Woman who has karma is kamini. Not all women are kamini. Means those who, means the, when we are getting obsessed by lust, that is actually indicated by the word kamini. It's not a very, just a woman, the word is a very loose translation. It actually is lust. Lust for the, 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 your, uh, this, some other relationships. So this is uh, something which is an obsession, which binds us. So many times we have told this, that our mind uh, has a limitation. What's the limitation? It's constantly fooling us with that limitation. That out of necessity, whatever I do, and I do again and again and again out of necessity, a groove is created in the mind, the neuroplasticity. Now it is in the language of neuro uh, this uh, neuro what is a neurology they say the neurons that fires together wires together means it gets wired what the delicacy i see that perception with that perception there is a firing of particular neurons and the particular neurons has developed that craving now this craving gets attached to it it gets wiring wired all the neurons that fires together gets wired. So our brain is extremely wired. So the ones out of necessity, this wiring happens. The road is created. Now you forget the necessity. Just to traverse that path becomes a pleasure. All the our likings, so-called likings, so-called passions, lust, obsession for gold, for uh, procreation, whatever it may be, is nothing. It is a necessity which has got converted into obsession by doing again and again. And that's why, and these are the two uh, things which Sri Ramakrishna is saying is the strongest. Just to sustain myself, I need food, which in a human being is of course, uh, that gold is necessary for your food. And of course, to continue with this uh, life, we have to procreate. Even a single small bacteria or a microbe is doing that. That's the tendency which we find common in a bacteria as in a human being. The entire process of evolution, these are the two common things 
which is there in all the creature to procreate and to sustain. And that speaks of woman and God. And it has become such a deep groove. I forgot the necessity. All the complexities of life. Any movie you see, the story of the movie is created because of all the complexities which arises from woman and gold. Otherwise, there is no movie. Any movie you watch, any theater you go, any of the epics you study, all the colorings which has happened is because of the complexities which arises from our obsession for women and gold. All these theaters, movies, everything at last is something in the words of Swamiji is trying to cover the corpse with flowers. We say that love is great and all, but basically if you go, if you really scan it, at last it is a mere obsession. We are flowering with the so-called romanticism, nothing else. And at last we find, in our life also we find, the flower fades away and the corpse comes out in a much more, uh, what is a rotten, the much more rotten flesh, with the stinging rotten flesh comes out at last. So it is after all, however we may try to cover it with uh, gold or to cover with flowers, the thing is something which is rotting. And that's the thing with which we are obsessed. However we may throw uh, this scented water on it, it's, it's actually going to at last bring out that, that ugly smell, nothing else. And that's the thing we are obsessed with. And that's the thing, this first characteristic for the bouncer is that obsession. The things which are not going to give us any happiness, we are actually slave of that. But we say, I want to enjoy it. Actually, we are drawn towards it. And that's the obsession. And then they behave as if they're never going to die. What they think, that's the same, that's the, that's the, this is the, this uh, thinking that woman and gold will make me happy and give them security. They do not realize that it will lead to annihilation, that at last, the death is waiting for us, that this cannot be permanent. All the movie, everything ends with a happy ending, as if the life has stopped there, it is not going to continue. The two aspiring souls were just had to go through a lot of difficulties to get united and there the movie ends as if they are not going to die they are not going to have any disease and that is the state of that euphoria we are going to continue and that's how we said we all are short-sighted we always end our movie there we have got united is that the end it's never the end actually it's the beginning of all the misery which is never told that's why we found that very nicely uh, when we were in training center, our Acharya used, used to sold a very nice thing. You know what is Maya? It's an eternal conspiracy. You, you have left your hearth and home. You are not going for family life. But in family life, what's happening? When you came, your father and mother, 90% of the swamis, the monks have faced that problem. Their father and mother was extremely unhappy. They never uh, liked that idea that their son will become a monk. They all want that they should marry. They should have a family life. And this, our Acharya told a very interesting thing. Just think what an eternal conspiracy for generations is going on. That none of them are happy, but they want that their son should marry and be happy. Isn't it an eternal conspiracy? And that's what is our condition. They behave as if they were never going to die. No suffering is going to happen. With all your education, at last you are married. And that speaks of a very, very nice, good life. And we all know is that actually the life of suffering has just started there. Uh, I uh, know one person who married quite late. He used to be my uh, school, our classmate in my residential school. For a long time, I had uh, no contact with him. And suddenly one day, morning in a WhatsApp, I got a message. I was really terrified. The message was, I am going to commit suicide. And the next line I found that at, uh, at the middle age, means after 45 or something, he actually got married. So he knew very well that the marriage is actually like suicide. So that was the message that I am committing, actually not real suicide, that he's going to get married. In the morning, I just opening the WhatsApp message, I got that message that 
I'm going to commit suicide. So sometimes we find that this is the thing which is not going to give us happiness, but we all somehow try to keep ourselves deluded by thinking that this is the be all and end all of our existence. And this is the thing which is going to give us happiness. So we never think that we are going to die or we are going to suffer, thinking that this will make us happy and give us security. They do not realize that it will lead them to annihilation. When a man thus bound to the world is about to die, his wife asks, you are about to go. What have you done for me? This is extreme selfishness. In the name of so-called love, at last we will find it is something that is an extreme selfishness, which we are covering with the words of love and everything. But extremely, actually, it is extremely self-centered and selfish. So these are the characters you obsessed. They think that they are never going to suffer. They're never going to die. They're extremely, that it makes them extremely self-centered, extremely selfish. And then such, such is the attachment of the things of the world that when, just see that Ramakrishna's example, that when they see the lamp is burning brightly, brightly, he says, dim the light. Too much oil is being used and he's on his deathbed. So he can take nothing, but still the last moment, he is still obsessed this dim, this just to reduce the wick of lamp is as good as just checking the bank balance before going to die. We find people that still at the last moment, the only thing he does is every day opens his uh, bank account to see how much money is there. Till the last day, that is just like seeing the week, that how much week is there. When, that What he's going to do with that money? Nothing. But still, that's the only thing which gives him pleasure, that what's there in my bank balance. Till the last day, we find the people are obsessed with all the disease, with all the certainties that they are going to die. They cannot just get rid of that obsession. So, and constantly, that is the fifth thing, the constantly they need the distraction. That's his thing. That I cannot stay quiet, so I play card. Nowadays, we find that that's the thing that we are playing, uh, that we are busy with them, the so called the social media, the Facebook, uh, watching TV. We cannot uh, just uh, really spend some time it be, uh, to, uh, in, uh, what's, in the good pursuits, impossible. In some other place, Sri Ramakrishna will actually relate a very nice story that a fisherwoman, a fisherwoman, what's the condition of the one who is extremely entangled in the world? Ramakrishna's stories are so powerful that a fisherwoman was returning after, uh, from the this market after uh, throughout the day after selling the fish, almost no fish were remaining. Only the scales of the fish, which he has, she has cleansed, that were there in the basket. And with that, she was returning back on her way home. And suddenly there was thunderstorm and it started downpouring. And still it was, there was a long way to go. Now on the way nearby where she was, she knew one, she, uh, one of her friends was the garland seller. Now she had a beautiful garden and in the garden she had a small house, a small cottage and that was nearby. So she somehow managed to run and uh, just take refuge with the friend there. And she told just it's downpour. So the, the friend requested, told, there's no need in such weather. It's uh, almost impossible for you to go back to your home tonight. Why not stay with me tonight? Tomorrow morning you can uh, leave. Tomorrow you can again go. When the weather is good, you can go. So after the dinner, the bed was arranged. And as it was a cottage in the garden, there were so much fragrant flowers, cool breeze was blowing, and this fisherwoman couldn't sleep. She was just uh, tossing on the bed, couldn't sleep. And then she realized why she couldn't sleep. Then at last she brought that basket in which the scales of the fish were there after selling the fish. She 
sprinkled some water on that and kept it near the window where she was sleeping so that the breeze when it comes will come with that strong sting of that the, what is this the smell of that fish that fish the smell of the fish and now when it started coming and now she was snoring that's the story with sri ramakrishna is uh, relating in some other place that what that this flowers are like that sublime uh, environment cool breeze the flowers uh, this nice fragrance of the flowers she cannot bear she's so much uh, habituated in this to stay with the smell of the fish that's what gives her happiness the flower smells is something which uh, she is not habituated at all it makes her sleepless and that's the thing which sri ramakrishna indicated that we need all the distractions that some free time is there why not pursue in some uh, good reading contemplation impossible they find that it is something which in no way uh, gives them happiness it's something very extremely boring we find in our life it's happening when we sit for meditation in 5 minutes we see the watch and think that half an hour has passed by for most of us that's the time when we find the time as if is not passing it has just standing still some it's sometimes uh, even we think that most probably the battery is not working <laughs> they goes to check the battery whether the time is really uh, this passing or not as if the watch is staying in the same place why it happens because we have not developed the tastes for spirituality at all something it's something it is like imposition others say that by meditation you get happiness and i have heard those words and i am trying to believe it but in no way actually relates to my life i am just somehow bought the advertisement but it in no way relates to my life and that's why we constantly need distractions this and that's what sri ramakrishna is indicating it's not to censor or criticize someone just to point that our condition in what we are and that's why we find that everyone can relate to the words of ramakrishna what is saying and so next what we find there was a deep silence in the room it, it is so appropriately he is just pinpointing there's a deep silence everyone can relate to it and then the next question shows sir is there no a devotee then ask sir is there no help then for such a worldly person so it comes because they could relate that the their their condition with what sri ramakrishna is speaking and then in, immediately that question comes sir is there no help then for such a worldly person and then the master's reply certainly there is from time to time he should live in the company of holy men and from time to time go into solitude to meditate on god so these are the things he indicated even in the previous uh, conversation this holy company and nirjan was in solitude to meditate on god but these are also secondary the main thing is sri ramakrishna is going to say now furthermore he should practice discrimination and pray to god give me faith and devotion this faith is very important once a person has faith he has achieved everything there is nothing greater than faith this is a faith is the thing which is really a like a precious gem in our spiritual life we find that why most of the people are aversive to spiritual life because they have no faith they think these are all stories make believes when uh, we find that when we are speaking of swami vivekananda's life how he spiritually exalted even i found that most of the people will try to drag it down and make it something an ordinary life as if because they think these are all make believes of those who who have somehow uh, uh what you say that uh, have became a part of it they try to glorify it actually it is not so because there is no faith they always think the entire spiritual all the uh, uh, the uh, what you say the 
incidences of the in the life of the spiritually illumined soul what is mentioned are mere glorifications they are not possible that basic faith is not there that that is possible that itself that there's a, is that faith is not there the faith is not there because first of all they never will go to associate with the holy man to stay with him that's why sri ramakrishna used to say that stay with the holy man stay with him for 24 hours dine dekhbi rate dekhbi tobe sadhu ke sadhu bole chinbi and you see that there that, that that type of life is possible and from that the faith is bound to develop that's why holy company is very important and unless the faith develops there cannot be any spiritual growth that's the first thing practice comes later first comes faith because without faith what's what's our mind like we already have preconceived notions that this sensate world is beyond and end all end all of our existence whether we enjoy or suffer we have to be with it we cannot think of Uh, living uh, having a life beyond that but we all has a preconceived notion that has limited our understanding once you have blocked your mind with your preconceived notions with all those make believes with all those biases there cannot be any spiritual progress because faith alone has a tremendous power sri ramakrishna will be saying you will try to understand from psychological point of view also first let us uh, just relate to the words and then we will try to understand what sri ramakrishna is saying tukeda you must have heard about the tremendous power of faith it is said in the purana that rama who was god himself the embodiment of absolute brahman had to build a bridge to cross the sea to ceylon in sri lanka but hanuman trusting on rama's name cleared the sea in one jump and reached the other side he had no need of a bridge all love this faith is even powerful than god himself that god himself had to make a bridge and hanuman by just resort trusting in ram's name is in one jump he has crossed over the ocean so faith is that powerful what it speaks of that our mind has infinite potentialities nature has infinite potentialities it can do anything it is not we who are doing the nature has infinite potentialities why those potentialities are not realized in our life because the preconceived not- notions are the blockages they block they doesn't allow the nature to find expression in our life the faith through faith once you remove those block the nature pours in you have to do nothing the nature finds expression through you it has all the power and that nature is daivi it is the god's uh, what you say the god finding expression as those infinite potentialities that as in the bhagavad gita it has been mentioned that daivi hesha gunamayi mama maya dratvaya that his nature is not something apart from the divine it is the it is daivi it is the divine which is finding expression as the nature and that nature has infinite potentialities but we find those our preconceived nations are blocking it to give an example i cannot fly birds can fly the nature has found expression in the bird in such a way that it can fly so nature has infinite potentialities we have limited our existence with a preconceived notion the faith can remove that block and the nature starts flowing through our psychophysical existence making the impossible possible in yoga sutra in the fourth chapter of this kaivalya pada the third sutra is very this interesting what it says nimittam aprayojakam prakritina varana bhedastu yatha kshetrikavas nimittam all our endeavors are secondary they are not the real cause of our transformation what's the real cause is real cause is the inflow of the nature that nimittam all these attempts of aprayojakam are secondary prakritinam varana bhedatu 
this all these uh, attempts are actually helping us to get rid of those preconceived notions to remove the blockage just there is a dam which is not allowing the river to flow and you remove one of the lock gates and immediately you find the water and its tremendous force is flowing through that lock gate so from where that water came it was already there you just have to remove the lock gate all our preconceived notions are like that lock gate faith is there to remove that lock gate and immediately you find the nature finds expression it has infinite possibilities and it can make the impossible possible so first thing is required is have the faith you go to any this those who are in the this olympics those who take part before the physical training comes the mental training where they are all asked to believe that it is they who are going to get the gold that's the first thing if you have at the very beginning you just have the idea that i am not going to get the gold you are never going to get the gold we find there are many competitors who have somehow uh, what you say that the national level they have crossed and now they make it a point i will go to the olympic just in a foreign country to enjoy i know very well i am not going to get the gold invariably is not going to get the gold there are those those who just really take that as a challenge yes i have the capacity i will fight i am going to get it it is they only for them the chance is there so faith is the thing which is required even before the endeavor all our endeavors before that if i don't have faith that's why even in our spiritual journey we find that our gurus instruct that even before you start your everyday meditation first assert that i am going to be liberated in this life itself this assertion should be there that i am going to get spiritual enlightenment in this life itself if you don't have that with all your practice you will find it is of no avail because the lock get is can be removed only by that faith and then the nature does its work so that's what sri ramakrishna is indicating that faith has a tremendous power it is said in the puran that's a story which just now we read rama who was god himself the embodiment of absolute brahman had to build a bridge to cross the sea of silan sea to silan but hanuman trusting in rama's name cleared the sea in one jump and reached the other side he had no need of a bridge faith is such a thing which brings you the intensity of purpose and once you have that intensity of purpose you are sincere about what you need you have that conviction that i have to get it you know it for certain the entire nature will conspire to make your desire fulfilled sri ramakrishna some in some other place uh, relates a wonderful story and allegory he says a man's uh, only son was about to die because of some incurable disease and this man was in search of some cure and then one person a siddha purusha spoke of some cure which is almost which uh, appears to be almost impossible what's the cure that when a particular star is on the sky is ascending ascending on the sky at that time there should be a downpour and when there is a downpour that rain water should get mixed with the deadly venom of cobra when the, the rain is fresh it's not the pond water the fresh rain water should be uh, there should be a drop of the venom of cobra that diluted water is the medicine for your child that will be he will be cured now this man really had that intense desire that is to cure his child sri ramakrishna is saying he was praying praying and then suddenly there suddenly there was no chance for a downpour then when that star was there on the sky he saw that star on the sky and he prayed for the rain suddenly when the clear sky the clouds came there was a thunderstorm it started downpouring and when it was downpouring now how to get the other things when it was downpouring 
and now he was search of some snake and then suddenly he didn't find snake he saw the skull and he went to the forest and he saw a skull the human skull in which the rain water is getting has got filled it's just it's, uh, the rain the skull was just lying there and the rain water got filled there because of the downpour and from nowhere suddenly he saw a frog coming seeing the frog coming when the frog was about uh, near the skull from nowhere a snake came venomous cobra came and the cobra was about to bite that frog the frog jumped over the skull and the snake missed the frog and its venom fell in the water which got stored in the skull and he this man was elated just see how many so many conditions it is not to speak of some it is not that just sri ramakrishna is speaking of some cock and bull story it is a cock and bull story but what he is indicating is something is not, not the story itself if we it go to take the literal meaning of the story and say is it possible it's not that story he is actually intending to say it is possible or not what he is saying that when you have intense desire all that there are two things one is purushakara and one other is kripa with all my effort with all my skills i cannot get the thing which i desired there are so many other factors which are responsible the day which on which i am going to give my exam with all my preparations if i go and just sit for exam at that time suddenly i find that i am not feeling well i am disposed because of some sickness so those are the external conditions you have to be uh, in good health that is not under your control and we find that that's the day some mishap happened and you are not in a state to just write the exam properly so many things may happen so what skills is of course something that my skills are required but there are so many other external factors which are required when you have intense desire those all external factors the nature will conspire to bring them together and make it possible so that's the thing which the intense their desire for a particular goal results in the entire nature is going to conspire to make your desire possible all the all the factors will get crystallized and that's the thing which sri ramakrishna is indicating that faith with that faith you have that intensity of that that that's uh, the your intensity of purpose you have and that makes all the all the favorable conditions just the way the sun is not burning the paper sun rays falls on a paper but you take a magnifying glass all the rays gets focused and you find that the paper is on fire so all the favorable conditions that it is more powerful than the god why the god is like the sun but all the favorable conditions which are required for a particular thing for a particular thing to happen for that the faith like the magnifying glass focuses all the favorable conditions of the same god to make it as if more powerful to get to make that paper burn to make to bring that intense heat and you find that the faith is more powerful than god himself and that's the story which we find is indicated by ramakrishna in this when he speaking of faith to kedar he was speaking this all love once a man was about to cross the sea he is giving another he is interpreting another story bibhishana wrote rama's name on a leaf tied it in a corner of the man's wearing cloth and said to him don't be afraid have faith and walk on the water but look here the moment you lose faith you will be drowned the man was walking easily on the water suddenly he had an intense desire to see what was tied in his cloth he opened it and found only a leaf with the name of rama written on it what is this he thought just the name of rama as soon as the doubt entered his mind he sank into the water so these are the things which sometimes uh, we cannot relate but if you, that, that our main problem is the moment we can relate something with our so called scientific world and then we find oh yeah ramakrishna is saying the same thing what he is saying you will find even in the present world 
I will just give an indication before we end our class today. You know, this uh, in uh, modern me medicine, the term placebo effect is very important. So that small paper written with the name of Rama, as long as he hasn't opened it, it has it, it has its placebo effect. What's that? It was allowing him that faith was allowed to walk over the water. You know, in recent experiment, it's a very famous experiment. Many have many undergoes knee surgery because of osteoarthritis. A very recent study have shown for 180 patients that osteoarthritis surgery was done. But they what they did, you know, that for few, they just opened up and stitched it back without doing, means generally what happens, those who have this osteoarthritis, there, there are a lot of these ligaments and all, which has torn. So in the operation, what they do, they clear it off. They clear those, uh, those all dangling uh, tendons and the ligaments. And somehow uh, uh, they had that idea that by removing that, you will feel better. Now, of the 180 patients on which this experiment was done, some where some of the patients really have gone through that surgery. It was not a fake surgery. For others, for almost half, the surgery was fake. They did that uh, incision, they did, uh, they, they, they did cut, but it was just teased without doing any, as no procedure was done. But wonderfully it was found, even for those, actually the operation was fake. The, all the symptoms vanished. And now even a big question that all those uh, surgery for osteo this, uh, arthritis, which are done, are those really surgery? Surgery is the thing which is helping them or is it the belief of that man that I have gone through that surgery? So I am cured, that is working. You can search in the internet, you will get a lot of interesting papers on this osteoarthritis and the knee surgery for 180 patients. It's done by this, the mainstream medicine it's a, it's something report, this placebo, this, your faith can work wonder. Once you believe, it's the mind from which the body is projected. We are all psychosomatic. Once you can believe, that belief system now builds your body, builds your capabilities, your skills. So now in medicine, they have started thinking that previously they were thinking that placebo speaks of failure in surgery, but now they have started saying a different way. Why think of uh, this placebo as a failure in surgery? Think it in the other way, that why not uh, make the placebo as part of our treatment, that we somehow condition the mind of the patient in such a way that no surgery is required, no drug is required. Just by faith, he can be cured. And that's why we find even in the La Ramakrishna's life much later, as it, this reference comes, when the, whatever doctors used to say, he will follow the prescription totally. And someone used to make fun of him, just told Bob, so you have tremendous faith in doctor. And Ramakrishna will say that it is he who in one form has become the doctor. So this, these simple words makes a lot. Nowadays in the present day, this faith we are lacking so much. By this time we were supposed to be all free if we were all vaccinated. It is the lack of faith. It is a belief in all the conspiracy theories and avoiding vaccination that something dangerous is going to happen is still as a society has made us handicapped. We are still in this present state. And that's why in Bhagavad Gita, very nicely it has been mentioned, Sankshayatma Vinashyati. There is only one destiny for the one who constantly doubts. It is vinasha, vinasha, annihilation. So faith is the thing. Without faith, we cannot exist in our relationships. Everything that which binds us together, it is only faith, nothing else. It is the faith which binds us. And that if we start doubting in a family also we find that wow, that's all the family division happens. Most probably both are genuine in as per the relations, but somehow the doubt comes in between and breaks the relation. It's a faith, faith from the very basic secular life to our spiritual life. Without faith, we can never think of any progress. 
either in this world or in spiritual life. Faith is the basic thing. And that's the thing Sri Ramakrishna is indicating here. He's giving so much of importance to this. And we will continue again. Just today, the time is almost over. So we, this faith is the thing on which Sri Ramakrishna is giving so much of importance uh, with uh, this idea of the faith. We will again continue uh, the discussion in our next class. With this, we stop our discussion today. Thank you all. Namaskars.